This episode of She Does is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter order code SHEDOES at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Build it beautiful. This episode is also brought to you by Vermont College of Fine Arts, MFA in Film. The VCFA MFA in Film offers a two-year student design, project-driven graduate program of professional mentorships for your scripts, fiction, and nonfiction filmmaking, as well as hybrid and transmedia projects. It's exciting, affordable, and intense. Refine your creative vision as you develop intensely personal stories in an independent practice. Visit vcfa.edu slash film. Oh, and beware, we use a fair amount of foul language in this episode. All right, let's get started. Life is absurd. Like, it's whatever you sort of believe in, whether you believe it's like a rhyme or reason that like somebody understands you face the facts that you don't. Like, stuff is just gonna happen. And I mean, stuff has happened to even make you exist. And like, why has all that happened? Like, why Why do I look like this? Why is this world this way? Why, you know, is this, this good, bad things, all of it just is sort of happening for reasons that no one on earth knows. And the best thing you can do when the unexpected happens is to laugh at it. That's the best outcome, you know? You either get angry, or you laugh at it. Welcome to She Does Podcast. I'm Sarah Ginsberg. And I'm Elaine Sheldon. And today, we would like to introduce you to Alexis Wilkinson, who right out of Harvard became the youngest staff writer on HBO's comedy series, Veep, starring comedy legend Julia Louis-Dreyfus. But at Harvard, Alexis made waves when she became the first black woman president of The Lampoon the school's 140-year-old undergraduate humor publication. The music you'll hear in this episode is by Chargo, a duo that you'll have the pleasure of meeting in next week's Music Maker episode. I met up with Alexis at the Cambridge Public Library, which is steps away from the heart of Harvard's campus and steps away from the Harvard Lampoon's notorious Lampoon Castle, a top-secret clubhouse where over the years, Lampooners like Conan O'Brien, Lisa Henson, B.J. Novak, John Updike, and George Plimpton once gathered. I used to walk by this mysterious castle all the time. I didn't even go to Harvard, and I get nostalgic walking around. (laughs) And yeah, I'd linger a little too long, hoping I'd be invited inside. But it doesn't work that way. You've got to earn your way in, or tag along with somebody important. My dreams came true when one of the most important lampooners, our guest, Alexis, gave me a tour. I can't believe we're going into the magic castle. (laughs) Is there a secret knock? I can't even begin to explain this place to you, and actually I can't. Lampoon rules. Oh wait, sorry, you can't record this. Oh, I can't? No, sorry, sorry, I should have When I got elected president, I think there were a lot of people who were excited about the idea of me, you know, like, oh, Black Girl Lampoon president exists. Hey, you know, that's something. I'm a big believer in, in my, mom, my mom used to say, like, you know, show and prove. Like, you know, they doubt you, like, show. Like, don't talk, go do it. And so now I'm just glad, like, okay, you thought, but now you know. I'm doing it now, and like, these are my jokes, and I have a real job, and now I can, you know, prove the haters wrong and and prove everybody else right. (laughs) As a staff writer on Veep, comedy is now Alexis's full-time career. But she also sees the value in comedy with dealing with everyday life. 
I think the more we can get people to deal with sort of really hard issues, whether it's racism, sexism, violence, you know, just being an outsider, have, you know, all these sort of difficult emotions and situations that are unexpected and sometimes really unpleasant, the more you can put two of them together and be like, well, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> or like, look at how funny this is instead of getting angry about it. Because if you get angry, you won't talk about it. That's the thing that I've found and I have serious anger issues, but you know, if you, if you slip on a banana peel and you get angry, you're not gonna pick up the banana. You're gonna get pissed off and you know, probably take it out on somebody else. But if you laugh at it, you say, oh, goddamn banana, and you pick it up and you, you keep yourself from doing something like that again. That, that's why I like comedy so much and I think that's why, that's why I wanna keep doing it. So I guess if I describe myself when I was a kid, I was very tall as I am now and very awkward and loud. And I moved around a lot when I was younger, like just from place to place, school to school. Alexis was born in Racine, Wisconsin. But like she said, her family didn't stay in one place for too long. They lived in multiple suburbs of Illinois, as well as Memphis for a year. And then back to Wisconsin when I was in late middle school. So then from late middle school to high school was all sort of the North Shore area of Milwaukee. So Bayside and Glendale and all these other places. I think it made me a lot more adaptable to different situations and different people. And I think especially being from Wisconsin and going to high school there where people just, it's one of those states, and you might know this, I don't know if it's the same in Missouri, but you are born there and you live there and you die there and that is it. And I knew right away that I'm not staying here. You know, I'm, that's just not something I want to do. And there's so much more out in the world. And after having gone from, you know, school to school and like place to place and seeing how different it can be just, you know, a couple miles that way, you know, you got to go a couple miles that way sometimes. So if you're not happy, then just go. And I mean, I think that's why when I was applying to schools for college, I applied to 19 schools, I think total, all over the place. Alexis is half Jamaican. Her father was born in Kingston, but moved to New York for undergrad and then grad school, which is where he met Alexis's mom. He became a successful chemist, a beer chemist, with multiple patents on some of Miller Beer Company's hops techniques. He was the one sort of out of his family who was the one who like did it the right way. He went to school and he got married and then had kids. You know, he did everything in the right order and he you know, was one of the few, if not like the only middle class, solidly middle class person in his family, and that was because of education. Alexis was only four years old when her father passed away, but he maintained a presence in the family's life and an emphasis on education through a pension he set up. And with this pension, Alexis and her sister would get a certain amount of money each month, if, and only if, they were in school full time. If they stopped school, the allowance would stop. Nothing gets you to study for the SAT more than thinking that, you know, your dad's ghost might haunt you <laughs> and would be, you know, disappointed and uh, what you're doing. And so I think generally that kept us like on a good path. When the stars come looking in my bedroom, we just kind of became 
just this very tight little unit of all girls, which was funny too, because I had no experience with boys in any sort of like intimate way at all. I didn't even know the toilet seat went up. You know, I fell in the toilet the first time my mom had a boyfriend over and he left the toilet seat up. I fell in it because I'm so not used to looking. What am I looking for? Like, just sit down. And and so <laughs> growing up in a house full of girls, even our dog was a girl. Like, we, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a very, very feminine experience. I'm so Alexis didn't attend Harvard with comedy in mind. She initially went for biomedical engineering, scrapped that idea upon arrival, and quickly made a switch to economics. And even now, I still, you know, I still subscribe to The Economist. I still am interested in that stuff. And I, I think it's, as a comedy writer, it's really nice to know about something in a real way. And that's probably the reason I never studied English, because you need to know about other stuff to write. And I think it's really weird. And I think, I think you see it in media when, like, people are just telling stories about writers. It's because they don't know about anything else. Like, there's so much more of the world than writers and, and literature. That's a great part of it, and it's important to know, but there's science, there's, there's math, there's visual arts, there's all these sort of other things that you can write about, and there's such a meaty part of life that you can reflect if you know something about it. I didn't know at all what I was getting into when I started comping the Lampoon. I never heard of the Lampoon before I got into Harvard at all. The Harvard Lampoon is highly regarded for releasing five issues of their publication each year, putting out parody content on the web, and inducting honorary members like David Foster Wallace, Robin Williams, Winston Churchill, and Kurt Vonnegut. Without the Harvard Lampoon, we wouldn't have the spinoff publication, National Lampoon, started by Harvard Lampoon alums in 1969, which some of our favorite films, like Animal House, hatched from. But when it comes down to it, it's about the young undergraduate students, the budding talent that finds a way into this highly collaborative, highly selective club, hoping to carry on the legacy and follow in the footsteps of their comedy heroes who got their start right there at the Lampoon. I remember getting there and people were like, oh, yeah, I've been wanting to get a lampoon since I was six years old. What? I was like, when I was six, I was playing with Play-Doh and eating it, and it's salty, and it doesn't taste too bad. Alexis came across the lampoon in a simple online search for Harvard Humor magazine. She was looking to fill her schedule with some extracurriculars, and since she had dabbled in comedy writing in high school, she thought she'd see what Harvard had to offer in that realm. To be considered for a spot on the lampoon staff of around 20 people, you go through extremely demanding and rigorous tryouts, otherwise known as comping. It's very serious. It's a semester-long process, and you usually have to do it between two and three times. I did it twice. So it's like a year of my life has been dedicated, and you can still, and I mean, I know people who did it four, five, six times. You know, that's a lot of work. Um, it's not a joke. and Except it's a joke, kind of. <laughs> You're right, except it actually is a joke. Um, it's literally a joke. The first time Alexis went through the comping process, she was rejected. It was really just sort of a, a big blinking sign, like, what are you doing here? Like, what did you think? You know, like, why are you even at Harvard? You know, all of us have imposter syndrome, I feel like, as undergrads, or most people, unless you, you know, tri triple legacy, like, of course I go to Harvard, where else would I go? What else is good enough? Uh, but for most of us, we get there and it's like, how oh, the fuck did this even happen? Like, where the hell am I? Especially, like, class-wise, like, I mean, economic class, socioeconomic class, like, growing up, I think I was the wealthiest black person I knew. 
And I mean, we were lower middle class, like upper working class, you know, I guess. But then you come here and it's like, these are like black people who have been on the come up since 1877, you know? Like they have money, like real money. Like people who know the Obamas. It's a different world. I'm like, where have I, what kind of topsy-turvy Mars like have I landed on where like, this is normal, this is what's happening. After after getting rejected and, and, and having that sort of existential breakdown where it was just, God, why? Why, why did I bother? You know, why am I even here? Like, why, why did I think I could do this? You know, what, this is just a big, big mistake. Harvard made a mistake. I made a mistake for even thinking I could do it. Once you get to that low point and you just sort of rip yourself apart, then you, you know, can put yourself back together and make yourself out of metal. You can put in the bionic parts and shit. Like, you know when, in the Bible, when the Pharaoh wouldn't let the the slaves go. The Bible says like his heart hardened against them. Like it's such a weird, you know, God hardened his heart. That's what I, I hardened my heart against the lampoon. I was like, no, oh fuck no. Like I don't care if this whole school burns down. I'm getting on the goddamn lampoon, you know? Like fuck anybody who thinks I'm not going to do it. Like I am going to do this. You know, I don't care if Egypt burns. Like my, you know, take my firstborn. I'm going to do it. The second time around, which couldn't have been easy, Alexis got in. I don't think it was inevitable at all. I think I got really, I got lucky in a lot of ways where I had people who were helping me and I worked really hard and I was willing to give up other things. Hello, GPA, uh, for it. Goodbye, GPA. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hello and goodbye. <laughs> you know, I got in and, and they, and you know, there's like a party for you and everyone looks so beautiful and this building is just like glowing and it's just like, wow. You know, I don't know how to describe it. It was just, this is fucking magic. <laughs> like what is happening? This is magical. And so, you know, I can only stay angry at a magical place for, for so long. And, and as much as, you know, every institution in America and America itself is a historically racist, sexist institution. This isn't news. Lampoon and Harvard, hello, like Harvard where we have housemasters, like come on now. You know, it's systematic. You know, Lampoon is not a special case. And so as much as I, you know, can have a problem with all those systems, at the same time, I've been given an opportunity here to do something. Again, I can only do what I can do, but I'm going to do what I do the best I can do it. And and then, you know, after getting on Lampoon, having the same sort of, you know, tearing myself apart, talk with myself where, oh, you know, my pieces aren't funny. These people have been wanting this since they were six years old. Like, they're all so much better. You know, they, they their parents are comedy writers. Like, do this. They really do this. And I'm just pretending to do it. And again, you got to do all that. And then it's, okay, no, that's stupid. Yeah, I'm here, and I got here for a reason, so I want to show them and show myself that, you know, I deserve to be here. And that's the beauty of, I think, of coming into something a little bit later and not having wanted it from the time you were two, or or maybe not two, but like five. But (laughs) (laughs) we have object permanence. Wanted it since I was in the womb. But you're like a, a fresh palette that, like, you aren't you know, jaded or know everything. There's like a different kind of hunger. Yeah, because I really did. I just wanted to learn. And I think that was, it was fun finding a an area that was so foreign to me because it was all, 
it was all just wonder and, and, and getting to do such cool stuff. And I mean, that's the great thing about Harvard is this, there's so many resources. Like if you wanna make something happen, you can pretty much make it happen. Like throw the Harvard name around a little bit, like, you know, confuse some smoke and mirrors. I mean, I wanted Whoopi Goldberg to come to Lampoon and I've been working on it since sophomore year. I went from like assistant to assistant to like, you know, managing assistant, blah, blah, blah. I finally like crawled my way to Whoopi and we had never initiated a black woman before on her own, like as an honorary member. We initiated like Maya Rudolph with the cast of SNL and like other people with other people, but never a black woman. Just reminding myself of those little but big things, like I did that. You know, and I don't know if another person could have done it. I don't know if another person would have wanted to do it as bad as I did it, but like I can say that I did that and that is a change in this place that means something to me. And now let's take a moment to hear about our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Squarespace, a service that honestly we'd be nowhere without. We've been told multiple times that our website, which holds all of our content and artwork, is really something beautiful. And the funny thing is, it's probably one of the easiest things to build. So much of our time is spent focusing on these episodes. You're welcome. But that leaves us with very little time to give to the website. Thankfully, Squarespace offers intuitive and easy-to-use tools that allow us to look like we're professional website designers. And there's a cherry on top. When you sign up, you can get a free domain name for a whole year. What's not to love about that? Start your free trial site today at squarespace.com and make sure that when you sign up, you use the offer code SHEDOES to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. And now let's get back to Alexis. With a secure spot on the Lampoon staff, Alexis now had her sights set on becoming president, the leader of the pack that serves as the editor of the publication, protector of the organization, liaison between Lampoon and the school itself, and hopefully, someone that pushes the group forward into new territory. Alexis got the vote and was elected president, the fifth ever female and first black female to step into that office. This was a big deal and an all around big time for Alexis. She was being interviewed by major news outlets and publications like NPR, MSNBC, Salon, New York Magazine. It was a lot to handle. So joining me now is Alexis Wilkinson, um, uh, head of the Harvard Lampoon, and this is your first live television. Uh, Alexis Wilkinson is the president-elect of Harvard Lampoon. She will become its first black president and its first black female president. Kind enough to join us from member station W. In the midst of all this, Alexis lost one of the most important people in her life, her roommate and best friend, the friend that is your biggest fan, who's angry when you don't get into the Lampoon and more excited than you are when you do get in. This was Angela. Alexis was paralyzed by Angela's death. She even considered stepping down from her newly gained president position to take a semester off and figure everything out, take care of herself. You know, I expect certain things on my plate, but that wasn't something I expected on my plate at that time. And so it was like, what is, you know, like, okay, all this other stuff that's also happening. It was just, it felt like my life had just completely changed. And the one person who you know, I had lived with since the day I got on campus was like the first person I met almost was gone. And so now like, I'm not, you know, now I'm president. All this sort of weird media stuff is happening. My grades are shit. You know, my best friend is gone. Like what is going on? Like what, none of this makes any, you know, another, none of this makes any sense. What am I doing? Uh, like, how has my life gotten? That, that's what it felt like. It felt more like, where even am I? Like, I've gotten so far from anything I can recognize anymore. 
you know, I don't even feel like the same person anymore, you know? And, and that was sort of the hard thing to deal with, just feeling outside of myself. And so it took some time to get out of that. You know, just being at Harvard was so stressful. Just being, doing anything was just, it felt like pulling teeth. And it was helpful because she had been such a supporter and I knew how she would have felt about it. You know, I knew she would have said, like, you big baby, like, suck it up. Like, it's fine. You're going to be fine. But I think having the encouragement of people at Lampoon who were really understanding generally about just that I was going through some shit. Like, you know, I'm I'm not going to be the completely emotionally stable, like, on top of it person that maybe I would have been otherwise. But, you know, if you believe in me and you elected me, like, let me work it out. <laughs> And she did work it out, and she worked through it, and excelled as president of Lampoon. Alexis brought in big people and spearheaded ambitious projects, one of which was with her cohort Eleanor Parker. It's called the Huffington Psst, P-S-S-T, and it's an online parody of the Huffington Post that boasts witty headlines, fake celebrity posts, and videos. Alexis also excelled in her writing and advocacy outside of the Lampoon. She wrote pieces for Time, Slate, Opening Ceremony, and Cosmopolitan, to name a few on topics she had experience with, from sexism and racial injustice to loss in politics, even pop culture and trends. She covered it all. But beyond writing, Alexis has become known as an outspoken public figure, giving talks to large groups of people. People sort of think that diversity is about being PC or like throwing a bone to people that you have historically excluded. Here she is speaking at the Chicago Ideas Week conference in January of 2015. I think that it's about perspectives and that you know, there are studies that are going to sh- that show now that when you have a more diverse cast, like audiences want to see that. They want to see the world that looks like their world. And the more voices you have in the room, the more unique perspectives you have in the room, like any art, the better it's going to be. Um, you said and, diversity and isn't just throwing a bone to, or like being doing a favor, being nice to those who have been historically ignored yeah. or... I mean, what are some of the things when people discuss diversity that you wish that would be discussed more or different or in a different way? You know, everything should look how it looks in the real world. Everything that's outside of that, you need to justify that. And your justification can't be racism. <laughs> you know, that's, that's it. Egyptians aren't white. You know, not only white people live in New York, friends. That's just wrong. That's just not how it was. That's just not how it is. You should be the one being penalized and being told you need to do something different for completely warping the world. And then what, what's really insidious about it is that you do that for hundreds of years and then you say, oh, well, people don't want to see, you know, brown people. People don't want to see women. And that, you know, you, you don't even try. Like, like, well, no wonder. It's because you've told them that, like, you know, this, this warped reality is like the reality on the screen has got to be completely different from the reality that you live every day. Um, and so that's why I think, you know, people... People like Shonda Rhimes, who is just a huge inspiration to me, who are just, they're not putting token people. They're just making the world look how it looks. There are men and there are women and there are women in charge of things. Like, whoa, you know, it's it's crazy. It's not, this isn't some radical concept. It's just when you walk outside, if a person, you know, if, if you're trying to reflect a friend group, Friends are of different races. People have friends that are different races. The person advocating for diversity is advocating for the status quo. You are reflecting something that is not right. You can't, you can't pinpoint, you know, 
the victims on the one side of the cycle and say, oh no, you're the problem when you created them. You know, like it, it's a snake eating its own tail, you know? It just has to unravel from the very beginning. <laughs> Senior year rolls around, and Alexis finished her term as the president of the Lampoon. Even with all the traction she had gained with her writing and public engagements, and even acquiring a manager, none of this guaranteed a job upon graduating. And she was getting kind of nervous. Senior year, first semester goes by, and all the consulting people get their jobs, and everybody's got their 90k offer. And uh, especially as an economics person, I'm like, oh, I should just work for BCG. Like, what am I doing? Like, why do I think I can tell jokes? Like, why don't I just go work for a bank? I'm gonna work at Goldman. Why didn't I do that internship? Alexis was experiencing a full-on freakout, and in a panic, she applied for grad school, freaked out some more, and then she stopped for a second, paused, and thought about it. I decided, okay, calm down. I know so many people at this point who are in comedy in some capacity. Something will come up. It will work itself out. All I need to do is remind them that I'm graduating. I need money. We'll write to eat. So I'm thinking, all right, how am I going to do this? Although Alexis wasn't president, she was still a part of the Lampoon and heavily involved in making sure the new president was doing everything they were supposed to be doing. One thing the president's in charge of is keeping in touch with the Lampoon's trustee board, past members who work in comedy, film, and television. Alexis was included in an email requesting the Lampoon's latest issues be sent to the non-Boston trustees, people like Robert Carlock, who wrote and produced for SNL, 30 Rock, and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Lisa Henson, who was the first female president of the Lampoon and daughter of Jim Henson, and Dave Mandel, who wrote for Seinfeld and executive produced and directed Curb Your Enthusiasm. But Alexis considered Dave to be more of a long shot, because as far as she knew, he was now working in feature films. For some reason, the latest issues of The Lampoon, one of which was edited by Alexis, were never sent to the board members. So she saw this as an opportunity and stepped in. So, you know, I, I go, you know, on my own, on my own dime, I, like I get my issue, I get like the last issue after that. And so I write them all, you know, and, you know, sort of, oh, hey, Carlock, I just watched all of Kimmy Schmidt. I love it. By the way, I'm graduating. Here's some issues. Just, you know, if you hear about anything, I'm around, you know, like whatever. I have writing samples. It's casual. It's fine. And so I wrote them all and, and all of them got back to me like really nice. Like, oh, thanks for sending me issues. Like, you know, if I hear anything, I'll definitely let you know. And it's like, okay. Dave asked for some writing samples from Alexis, so she sent those over, but she didn't hear anything back from him or anybody after that initial exchange. A month goes by. And this is April, I guess, so graduation is on the horizon. I still don't have a job. But then an email appears in her inbox from Dave. And he's like, yo, can I, can I call you? Like, what's your number? 15 minutes later, and I'm in the dining hall. My phone rings and I answer, I'm like, hello? And he's like, well, it hasn't been announced yet, but I'm taking over show running for Veep, do you want a job? I was like, I, y yes, I, and, and, but I was, and, and I'm saying like, what do you mean? Like a job, like doing what? And, and like, is this an actual, like what's, what's the game here? And, he, and, and I was like, like a writing assistant or whatever? And he's like, no, like a staff writer, like a real job. As soon as Alexis officially accepted the position, things began moving quickly. She graduated college on a Thursday and the next Wednesday had moved out to LA and was officially a staff writer for Veep. Veep first aired on HBO in 2012 and is a political comedy series starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus as Selena Meyer, a fictional vice president of the United States. Over the course of the show, Selena Meyer leads her ragtag team through the ins and outs and ups and downs of her duties as vice president, 
constantly avoiding catastrophe and constantly striving to boost her reputation and significance on Capitol Hill. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you all here tonight and thank you for coming. Hi, Selena. Hey. Uh, just a small change in the speech. What is that? Uh, plastics apparently talked to the president. White House doesn't want us mentioning oil or cornstarch or plastics. Just wing it. This has been pencil fucked completely? Uh, yes, front and back. Very little romance. Ladies and gentlemen, distinguished guests, as I'm sure you're aware, I have stepped into the president's shoes this evening and uh, who knew he wore kitten heels? <laughs> no, uh, he of course doesn't. He's more of a stilettos kind of guy. <laughs> and the show's um, been wildly successful with Emmy nominations for Outstanding Comedy Series four years in a row, winning the award for its fourth season. I mean, killed by a bear? Rangers on site due to the shutdown. And a black bear. That's the weird part. They rarely attack people. That's right. weird. That's what I was exactly because right? then, then he must have goaded him and he must have, I mean, hit him with a stick or done something. All right, guess what I just heard. POTUS's quote in his soon-to-be-released Politico interview in which he blames me for the government shutdown. What? Exactly what? It was implicit. Implicit? Implicit like a Kick me sticker on my keister would be implicit. Uh, Madam Vice President, greatest respect, but it has been the job of the VP over the ages to, you know, take it in the ass to save the president. Yeah, let me tell you something. This ass is closed for business. This ass is in clenched down. I don't want to be a decoy. Let the president take it in the ass. He might like it. With its smart, quick, and witty humor coming at you nonstop in the best of ways, Veep is widely considered one of television's best comedies. The show will premiere its fifth season on April 24th of this year, 2016. When we spoke with Alexis in September of 2015, she had been working on the show for three months. The weird thing about this job is that it really is a lot about relationships. We spend all day together, like all of us. And when we first started, it was all day in the same room together and we ate lunch together. And so if you're an asshole, or, you know, or you're just insufferable. You could be hilarious, but you're insufferable. Who the hell wants to deal with that? I know I don't for eight hours a day in my face. You know, it's not like you can't retreat to your little cubicle and just hang out by yourself. You have to be involved in the process. And so I think that was the great thing about having met Dave is he knew I wasn't crazy. <laughs> or at least he hasn't found out yet. How do you study though? Like, how do you do your research, like you try to learn their language, like what their joke style is, kind of look, approach the show while when watching it differently. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I, as a writer of television, I consume media one way, and as a consumer, I consume it another way. So there are shows I really, really like that the writing is terrible. I was talking to a producer and he's like, well, what shows are you watching? Like, what are you into? And I was like, Law & Order SVU, Snapped on Oxygen. Um, maybe some Lifetime movies. Like, I don't really watch comedy in my in my free time that often just because it feels like work sometimes. It's hard for me to, you know, separate. And I don't, I don't you know, I like to consume and I like to, to think. But when I was getting on the show, I it was work. I was watching it and I was pausing it and I was rewinding and I was writing down things that people said and I was watching the arc of the episode. You know, when are the act breaks happening? You know, how many fucks are they saying per episode? Something I actually looked up so I know, you know, about how many fucks we should be aiming toward at any given time. It's a very fuckful show. Um, I love it. It's how great. How many fucks can I get? Yeah, right. I'm like, 20 fucks? Is that about 15, this 20 fucks? This was only 10 fucks. A very low fuck episode. What's going on here in season three? Uh, 
just seeing sort of what scenarios they've already done. That's the other thing. It's like they've done, you know, shows go through plot points and you don't want to walk in the room and be like, I have a great idea for a show. She gets a puppy and they're like, she got a puppy last season. You didn't watch it. Yeah, right. You weren't paying attention to that puppy line. Um, and, you know, sometimes it can be a throwaway thing, but then you, you really do have to remember and, you know, because you're trying to constantly be original. Dave said part of the reason I got the job is because I was president of something. And as a woman, I know what that's like, you know? And I also, I worked for the Institute of Politics at Harvard and like helped do uh, research on the book. So like, I know some stuff about the emotional core at the very least of some of what, you know, President Meyer is, is trying to do on a very small level. So I think I, I do identify a lot with her character and, you know, all I like to do is yell at underlings and, and you know, scream and, and neglect the people I love. Uh, so with that in mind, it's easy that way. But <laughs> um, I think generally what I, my style of humor, if you ask people on Lampoon, they'd be like, yeah, it's weird sex stuff. She's always writing about sperm flavors and doing something else that's weird and sexual. And they're right. I like writing about sex definitely politics like religion i like talking about controversial stuff but like the nuance of it because there's something that's for me like where all the real like gold nuggets of humor are similar to how the executive branch is run there is a veep team hierarchy but that doesn't mean alexis who's the youngest staff writer the next youngest being 37 and with a boatload of experience under her belt is treated much different in my mind, I felt like when I first got on Lampoon, that's kind of how it felt where I was like, y'all have no reason to give me the time of day. I wouldn't want to hear anything from me. I just got here. I barely know what I'm doing at all. And I was genuinely so surprised that everyone really did treat me like a real person, <laughs> like, you know, as as an equal, like like anybody else and listened to the things I had to say and were not either hypercritical of me or like super soft on me. Dave in particular, after talking to other people, I mean, he's been in the industry such a long time. He really is a big believer in mentoring people or giving people their first job. Like I'm not the only person he's like either recommended for their first job or given their first job. And he was very sort of blunt about like, I know you don't know what you're doing, but I think you can do this, you know? So try like if you're willing to try I'm willing to let you try and and so I think the showrunner so much sets the vibe of the show and so once he established that and I mean I think once everybody knew coming in like this woman just graduated a week ago give her some time and she might take some time to figure it out and knowing that I was going to give 2000% to it and that like I really I'm going to figure this out like I promise you I'm not not going to figure it out and even, even if it, like, you know, it would have been totally legitimate to say, okay, you know, I really want to hire you, but let's, you know, make you an assistant or let's wait, you know, until next season or something like that. And so I think it was a really big risk on his part to just kind of let me get in there and start doing stuff. Um, but it's been so fun. And I feel like I've learned so much faster that way because I'm around people who've been doing it for so long. Not to mention working for the Veep herself, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She's the real thing. She knows what she's doing. She's confident. She's smart. She has an opinion about things, but she's never mean. She's, as, as a woman looking forward to being in comedy, like, that's all you want to, you know, you just want to have, like, the poise and the talent and, like, the intelligence of someone like her. 
try to make sure I'm telling stories in an accurate way. I try to make sure that I am being a resource to people who are younger than me, who are looking to do these sort of things. And, you know, I try, I really try pretty hard that whenever somebody, you know, comes to me for advice or wants to talk about whatever, just being so helpful. Because the few people who did that when I was growing up and now sort of the mentor figures I have are huge because they were the ones who made it seem like I wasn't crazy. Because that's the thing, and especially coming from, you know, mathy, sciencey background, now being like, oh, I'm going to be a comedy writer? What even is that? Like, where do you do that at? Like, it's not a thing. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't think, I didn't think, I knew nobody who wrote in any capacity. Poetry, fiction, whatever, that's not a thing. People don't do that. Th that those words just come from somewhere. I don't know, in some other country, they make them and then they just bring them here. I don't know where TV comes from. It's a totally different world somewhere way over there. And, and so it's the people who are close enough to you and but also have experience in that world and say like no that's it's a thing people do it and here's how i did it or here's you know advice to swear or the other um and especially like the the women and the people of color and stuff in my life who you know i can come to about advice about that stuff have been so so important and so i think just you got to do it one one step at a time and for me it's just as i come up make sure that i'm talking to other people and trying to bring other people up with me. Thank you to the wildly talented, ambitious, and hilarious Alexis Wilkinson for sitting down and talking with us. Make sure to follow up this episode with a healthy dose of Veep in preparation for their fifth season premiere in April. It's going to be good. Visit our website, shedoespodcast.com, to find out more about Alexis and to read some of the pieces she's written. This show is a product of Slate's Panoply Network, and this episode was produced by us, Sarah Ginsberg and Elaine Sheldon, and sound design is by Billy Wiraznik. The music you heard in this episode is by Chargot, a duo of women, Charlie and Margot, who make some of the most colorful music I've ever laid ears on. We'll be talking to them next week. Thank you to our partner, Filmmaker Magazine, and our friends of our independent music news. If we have any Miami listeners out there, make sure to attend our February 27th event coming up in your city at Filmgate. Visit filmgate.miami to find out more. Just don't like half-ass anything. Like so many times I think if I just put in like 5% less effort, it would have all fallen apart. You got a whole ass everything. Thank you for listening to She Does. <laughs>